y'all. This is Jennifer Schatzer, Life Badassery. I am the fastest speaking Southern accented woman that you have ever heard. The faster I talk, the more Southern I sound, the more Southern I sound, the faster I talk. So I just wanted to give you guys a second to come on, listen to my voice, get a little acclimated, and then we're going to let the shit hit the fan. Hey guys, Jennifer here. Today is Monday, the 24th of February, and to play out the rest of this February love month, I wanted to come back and I wanted to talk about some of the things that Nikki and I talked about, not necessarily the the really sexual stuff, but more the um, what keeps us from enjoying our sexuality. You're going to have to re- actually forgive my voice. This is my annual sinus funk that I get at the beginning of spring. Um, I live in Florida now, so it's happening a little sooner. I am infamous for getting laryngitis in March because something in the atmosphere changes and I just, my sinuses and my whole little body just kind of goes, so I'm trying to keep up with my podcast before the laryngitis kicks in. So let's hope that I'm able to um, make that happen. I have really enjoyed these last few podcasts. I've had some really great guests. I've really enjoyed being with Sean and Nikki. I've got some really cool stuff coming up for you too. Um, One of the things that I really want to continue doing is bringing on some of the really cool people in my world and letting you hear from them. Um, I started out with sex and love and all that stuff because it's fun and it's it's an easy way to talk and it's an easy way to kind of break the ice. Um, But some things will get a little more serious. I'm always going to be funny. That's how I survive everything. Um, But I want to kind of hit into some of the deeper things too. So you're going to kind of see that change over the next couple weeks, but I wanted to warn you anyway. So let's talk about what keeps us from living our best life. And we're going to apply this to the sexuality part, although it really applies to every area of our life. But I thought this was a good place to put it. So the number one thing that keeps us from leading um, a fulfilled sex life, and again, these go across the board. So lack of communication, um, lack of explaining our expectations is really what I mean by that. So there's there's expectations, but there's also unverbalized, untalked about needs, wants, and desires, right? And that, again, transfers over to every area of life, but we're going to stick to the sexuality part. There's also shame. So I always see there's two things that always come back and bite me in the ass. Number one is expectations, and number two is shame. And so expectations are um, unvoiced desires, right? Unvoiced things that, or un talked about undefined um, needs, wants, and desires. And sometimes expectations come from upbringing, culture, teaching. um, You know, expectations can come from all kinds of places. But shame is inevitably who and what defines us and keeps us from stepping forward in most good things or bad things. I mean, it really can hold you quite captive. I am a Brene Brown junkie, because if I'm going to talk about shame and if I'm going to talk about vulnerability, she's like the expert, right? 
So I'm not going to quote her. I'm going to tell you to go out and find the YouTube videos, and I'm not afraid to share those with you. Um, I just want to add my own little spin on it. So I was listening to one of her things, and she's talking about shame versus guilt. So let's apply that to sex, okay? So she says that the um, shame comes with two tapes. One says, never good enough. And if you make it past that one, the other one is, who do you think you are? So let's talk about never good enough and how that applies to our sexuality. So, you know, I think that's a lot of body image. Um, I think that comes down to feeling desirable, feeling desired. Um, there's, there's child abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's physical abuse, there's all kinds of abuses that can and do happen to people. And a lot of those can keep us, there's little tapes in our mind that keep playing over and over and over and over and over saying you're never good enough, right? You're never skinny enough. Your boobs aren't good enough. Your ass is too big. You don't bounce enough. You don't do dirty enough things. Um, you're too much of a prude. You act too much like a slut. You, you try too hard. I mean, there's, there's all of these things that have been said to or about us either by someone else or by ourselves that kind of keep us from moving forward and kind of keep us from stepping out. And if we do get out and we do do that, right, <clears throat> then who do you think you are? And I think this is the secondary part of it because the first gate is I'm never good enough. And when I finally kind of get past that, well, you know, I do bring something to the table. I do have some self-confidence. I do have the ability um, to sexually please a man. I do have the ability to sexually please myself. I do have the ability to articulate my needs, wants, and my desires. I do have the ability, right? So I kind of do my little checklist, but then who do you think you are, I think is, is the next one, because who do you think you are? That goes back to I was sexually abused as a child. I was, you know, my uncles came on to me when they shouldn't have. I was, I was sexually molested by my cousins. I was, you know, you have no idea who the real me is because I worked so hard to hide that. And so I know in my own story, in my own world, um, I have fought with shame all my life. I think we all do, but there was a time and a moment when I really kind of felt and realized and could visualize what the shame in my life looked like. And you guys know my degrees in theology. I did a lot of, of study in that. I did a lot of um, retreats and exposure and, and all kinds of stuff. So I had gone on this little weekend retreat about healing. And I was standing there and I actually got this vision of this um, snake wrapped around my heart and wrapped in and out of my rib cage. Okay, so like I could see this snake living in my chest cavity. And I realized that that was keeping me from breathing. It was keeping my heart from functioning. And I couldn't get any expansion in those areas because I was so constricted like a boa constrictor, right? And so I think the way that we get past that is to begin to talk about it. Let's talk about it, right? So why is that snake in my chest? Where did that snake come from? Mine's very, mm, started a very young child and it's it's gone on from there. Um, I, my tape in my head says, your own mother couldn't love you. How is anybody else going to love you? It is true that my mother doesn't love me. That is, it is what it is. 
Okay. It's a true statement. Whatever. She was unable to bond with me as a young child. It turned into a toxic, abusive relationship as I grew. As I became an adult and could set my own boundaries and could continue, I would continue to go in and try to get something and I would come out more battered than before. Everybody in my world would continue to push me to go in that direction. And I would go in and I would try and I would come back out more abused and hurt and bloody than before. And this was an ongoing thing that lasted the duration of the first mm, 41 years or so of my life. So my core belief says, if she can't love me, nobody else can love me. Right. So that goes to sex, that goes to my children, that goes to my friends, that goes to everybody. That's that's a common truth as Jennifer sees it. I call that a genism. Right. My genism is my mother couldn't love me. How could somebody else love me? So you can take that, whatever your sentence is, whatever your core defining sentence is, and it may take you some time to find that. But that's where mine boils down to. That is the truth. That is that is the victim impact statement that is the biggest thing I fight day in, day out, all day. That. And I'll have people tell me it's not a godly belief. I get it. I understand. It's not true, right? Yes, it's true she doesn't love me, but no, that doesn't make me unlovable. I am lovable for who and what I am. Um, And that's kind of how I balance that. So I find this snake in my chest and I'm trying to define and figure out what it is. And then the next thing I realized was like a rubber band ball. You know, we used to have those and we worked in offices or, you know, maybe your grandfather had one, mine did. And I would like to bounce it and play with it because it was, you know, kind of like a bouncy ball too. But I had this um, vision. I know that sounds so corny, but that's how I see things. Okay. So my creative mind, that's how it works. So I saw this rubber band ball and I saw like scissors go into it and starting to snip in little random places. And then that ball was being thrown against the wall time and time and time and time and time and time again. And as that ball would hit the wall, one of those bands would fall off and I'd throw the ball again and it'd come back and I'd catch in my hands and another one of those bands would fall off. And so, so I want you to know that shame is a process. It's not something that necessarily you heal 100% from. It's part of our, it's part of our makeup. It just is. Like we all know the warmth of shame, right? But shame is I am and guilt is I did. So shame is a self-defining statement. So I am unlovable is a shame sentence. She did not love me is a guilt, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of Probably not a good example, but shame is I am unlovable. Guilt is I act, I acted in a way that left me feeling unlovable. That's probably still not right. I work on that a little bit more. Shame is I am unlovable. Guilt is I had behavior that made in that moment me unlikable. Okay, because we all have kids. I mean, I have kids. I love my children, but I don't always like them. That's just my honest statement. I love them, right? I love my dog, but when she does something stupid and poops on my floor, I don't necessarily like her in that moment, okay? So that's what I'm trying to define there. So you're never good enough, okay? So 
we live in a society where everything is sexually thrown at us all the time. I mean, if you're on the Insta and all this stuff, like there are girls younger than you, firmer boobs than you, they have smaller asses than you, they can do all kinds of crazy, you know, J-Lo for God's sakes, in the Super Bowl, like hanging off a stripper pole, doing all kinds of things. And I'm like 46 looking at her going, God, I wish, I wish I could get my body to do that, right? Because if I could do that, right? But that shame that keeps us sitting, Okay, so like in my marriage, when I was married back in the day, I never felt that I could turn my ex-husband on. I didn't know how to get his attention sexually. We had parenting down. We had running a business together down. We had running a household together down. But I never in all 23 years figured out how to get his mind off of everything going on and to become the center um, to get him to desire me or and somehow frame myself in a way that I felt desirable to him. And it, and it was just one as much as it was the other, because there was times that I tried. Um, you know, he liked my hair shorter. He liked me thinner. He always wanted me to look younger. Like there was all these things going on that he articulated. And then there were things in my head going, I mean, shit, I got three kids. I'm running around. I'm homeschooling. I'm running a business. I'm, I'm running to the bank. I'm trying to cook dinner. Like, I'm trying to meet all the expectations of my day and still try to find a part of me to meet the expectations of what he needs as a sexual partner. Um, And we didn't, we never did get that right. So I can't give you that answer because we didn't. Um, We just never got that part right. One of the reasons we're, we're not married anymore. Um, Coming through that, my emotional, um, shame in because my expectations said all men are sexual creatures all I should have to do is walk by him naked and he should want to hump me and and, you know make love to me and it should be the end of it some men aren't that way he was not I didn't know how to fix it it was his thing not mine I didn't know what else to do um but there was this innate shame in me that I couldn't I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to make it better I didn't know how to fix it. Um, So it led to like cutting all my hair off and bleaching my hair blonde and doing all kinds of crazy things externally um, so that I could figure out how to do this on the inside to feel better, to feel attractive, to do all this kind of stuff, which is why to me, I, I look at this whole lingerie question. We asked that last week, you know, to feel sexy. I think there is a time and a place, special occasions, to take it up a notch. But if you don't feel that way on the inside, it doesn't matter what you put on. It doesn't matter what you put on because inside you, you have to feel desired, desirable, um, and the want to. And if you don't feel those things, it doesn't matter what you put on. The other thing that we talk about <clears throat> with expectations are... They're unattainable, they're conflicting, and they're competing, right? Unattainable expectations are my, I'm just going to use his and him as an example. I'm not throwing him under the bus. Please know that. I just, I know this story, so it's easy for me to tell. Unattainable expectations were my husband liked younger women. Okay, all the things that I can do becoming younger isn't one of them. I can look younger. I can act younger, I can do all those things, but I cannot become younger. So it's an unattainable expectation. 
conflicting expectations, right? So what does that look like? Conflicting expectations. I expected that we were going to have sex three to four times a week and that we're going to live happily ever after and, you know, have this white picket fence and, and life was going to be grand. Um, the conflicting expectation with him was we could have sex once every three months and that was fine. And, you know, I wasn't supposed to take it personal. He was just busy and, and he didn't have a desire for me in that way. And that should be fine. I still watch couples deal with this. I have friends who he and her are on opposite ends of the spectrum. He wants to have sex every day. She wants to have sex once every year. And it can go the other way. She wants to have sex all the time, which made me feel awful. I was the one that always wanted to have sex. And he was like, eh. So I always felt like I was different. I was I was more sexual than everybody. Or I was the guy in the relationship. Or, you know, my, we were, I mean, the church term is we're unequally yoked. Right? Trying to get all that to come together is conflicting expectations. Competing expectations his expectations are greater than mine. His expectations hold more weight than mine. Right? I had to set my expectations down because he is the driver of this train. Right? Um, and it's hard. It's hard to do that. So how do we take all that and apply that to our sex lives? Um, I literally had to take a long time out. I literally had to sit back and go, okay, we're going to look back at this snake. We're going to pull back out the rubber band ball and we're going to talk through all inner dialogue. I've had therapists in the past. I I have done that. I'm not, I'm, I'm a huge proponent for that. But at this stage of my life, I literally just sat with myself because I have amazing friends who can talk me through some hard stuff and that there's, um, intimacy in those relationships where I can be more honest. And so I typically go to those people. If you don't have a tribe, build one. We're going to talk about that on Thursday. Um, So it was sitting through there and going, okay, look, I am in my 40s. I'm in my sexual prime. I want to have an amazing... um, sexual relationship, but what do I want the rest of that to look like, right? So maybe you're married and you've been married forever and you guys have just gotten busy and you've taken this part of your life and you've just set it to the side. Maybe you guys are happily married and you're like, we have sex six days a week and that's not our issue. Okay, good. But what if your issue is you're struggling to engage sexually because of abuse? What if you are struggling to engage sexually because you've put on 15 pounds and you're not feeling it? What if those voices in your head are keeping you from experiencing your best life? What if the pain and shame is keeping you from doing that? What is your answer? Life badassery is about doing the hard work. None of this is easy. None of this is easy to talk about. None of this is easy to overcome. And the whole idea is that Life Badassery, Jennifer Schatzer, does not have all the answers. I do not have all the answers. I'm not a therapist. I don't have a doctorate. I don't have any of that stuff. My job is to ask the hard questions to you and lead you through the path so that you can ask yourself the hard questions by using my story and my experience to kind of be a guide, right? 
So what does that look like for you? What I would recommend is that you find your snake. Gosh, forgive me. This whole sinus thing is on my last nerve. Um, find your snake. What is your snake? What is your core belief about yourself based on shame that keeps you from stepping out and saying, I have these needs, wants, and desires, and I expect, not expect, I would like to share them with you and be vulnerable so that we can work towards this together. And you're going to say, well, I've tried to do that. And I'm going to tell you, I know I've been there, sister. God, have I been there? And sometimes it's okay. But sometimes it's not. Okay. So sometimes it's not okay to just keep taking your needs, wants, and desires and lay them down for the sake of your marriage. Sometimes it's not okay. I was raised in church and I was taught all those Titus too. And I was taught, you know, women are subservient to their husbands and submissive and blah, 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 blah. And if your marriage is biblical and if your life, if your, your marriage is, is both equally weighted in biblical and reality, then good for you. You have it figured out. Keep going. You're doing a great job. What I find is it's not typically true. What I find is in what we're learning culturally, society, it's a big, huge, hot topic in America right now, Me Too movements. Women have been battered, battered, you know, beaten, battered, and set to the side. And we're beginning to get our voice, and we're beginning to stand up. And that's what I want to be able to help you do. I want you to be able to, be able to stand up and do what you need to do. There is no guilt and shame coming from me, sister. I stayed in that marriage. And I did everything I had to do because my number one priority was my babies. And I wanted to continue to homeschool my kids. I wanted to do everything I had to do to get them the life that they needed because I had the rest of my life to figure out my own shit. And that's what I'm doing right now. Self-sacrifice, I hear you. I have to hold it together for another. I get it. I understand. Unless he's putting hands on you. If he's putting hands on you, you get the fuck out. You don't look back. There's resources out there. If you don't know about them, send me a text. Tell me where you are. I will find them for you. Have no doubt. I have no doubt. So except for extreme cases where there is complete abuse like that, I understand. Okay. Um, but if he only, if he would. Okay, let me tell you. What if he doesn't? One of the greatest pieces of advice that I ever got was I have this I have an amazing spiritual team of mamas and one of two of them are mamas and one of them is a crazy aunt. And it's just how I relate to them. So just, you know, call me whatever. But my crazy aunt said to me, I don't know, God bless. I was probably, I was in my early thirties. It was a long time ago. And she looked at me and she said, what if he never changes? Then what are you going to do? I'm just going to keep rowing the boat till I can get to the other side. I mean, I don't feel like I have a choice. The year that my ex and I split, a couple months prior to that, she looked at me and she said, so what are you going to do if he never changes? And I looked at her and I said, I've done whatever it takes and it didn't work. So now I'm looking for another answer. Seasons change. Things change. Needs change. We can only quiet our expectations for so long. Shame held me there. Shame kept me from opening my mouth and saying, these are my needs, wants, and my desires. Shame's kept me from standing up and saying, I am just as much of a part of this as you are, and my needs, wants, and desires are important. 
Shame kept me sitting on my ass instead of standing on my feet. Shame is not right. It's part of life. And it's kind of the recesses of our mind that we don't want to talk about. We don't want to go into. Um, I think shame is a a place that we visit. And we can kind of go in and look around and assess the situation and go, oh, there you are. Right? I can walk in and go, oh, look, there's that whole mama thing. And then I walk out. And I put one foot in the front of the other and I keep going. Um, I shut the door on that shame and I just keep going. Like there's a place and a time to visit, but it's not, it's not where I want to live. And I don't want to let that seep over into every other area of my life because I have to live a life of vulnerability and I have to be able to use my voice and I have to be able to stand up and I have to be able to tell others and I have to be able to drag some people along with me because believe it or not, there are people in my world that are convinced that this is what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like my stories, um, can be help people transform the more you learn and the more you talk and the more we kind of get through that. Um, I hope that becomes true. So what do I want you to walk away with today? Today I want your takeaway is do the work, figure out what your snake is. Find the root of your shame. You can't overcome what you can't figure out, right? If you can't assess it and you can't define it, then you can't fight it. You have to know how big that army is in order to come up against it. So dig around. Be willing to ask the hard questions. Be willing to do the hard things. That's the only way you're going to get through it. And if you need a therapist, get a therapist. If you need to have a good cry with your girlfriend and a bottle of red wine, then have a good cry with your girlfriend and a bottle of red wine. If you need to call your mama and ask the questions, call your mama and ask the hard questions. But shame is keeping you from living your best life, especially sexually. All things, but sexually. There's no shame in orgasms. There's no shame in loving the pleasure of sex. There is no shame in wanting to put your hands on another person. There is no shame of wanting somebody to put their hands on you. There is no shame in walking around as a naked person and feeling confident in that. There should not be. And that's how we get past it. Hopefully next time I talk to you guys, my voice will be better. I thank you guys for sitting through this craziness today. Um, Monday is is what Mondays does. And sometimes we just got to push through. So until we talk again, go be do. Do the hard thing. Figure out what your snake is. If you figure out what it is and you want to chat about it, you can find me on Life Badassery at Facebook. Send me a message. I'd love to talk you through it with you. Um, go be do. It's where the good stuff happens. Get up off your ass and go be do. Till next time. Bye, y'all. <laughs>